morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody once more. Been uh, gone a couple weeks, really missed all of you folks. I can't think of any place I'd rather be than here on a Sunday morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering here together. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of having the Word of God that's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We pray, Father, that it would truly be that this morning as we consider various passages from your word, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us, and that we would truly hear from you in all that takes place here this morning and everything that's spoken. May anything that's of me, Father, quickly pass out of our minds and never penetrate our spirits. But Father, may everything that's of you not only rest in our minds and our hearts, but truly penetrate our hearts and our spirits in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How many of you have ever run some sort of a race? How many of you have ever ridden a, ridden a bike? Okay, between those two, I'm guessing we've included almost everybody. And if not those two, then how about if you've played basketball or football or tennis, baseball or soccer? Now think about this for a second. What's one key thing that helped you know you were going where you were supposed to when you were playing, when you run, when you swim, when you ride? Or you play. How did you know you'd hit a home run if you were playing in baseball? How did you know you were done running the race if you were running a race? How did you know you were even on the field of play or the court or where you were on that field of play or court in any of these games? In a race, of course, you were probably on a track of some sort with clear boundaries. If maybe it was a cross-country race, there was a trail or maybe there was a road marked appropriately with flags. If you were swimming, the lanes were marked and maybe separated by lane dividers as well. On the basketball court, the sidelines and the half court are marked. The baselines are marked. On a football field, every yard is marked and every five yards is marked, as is the goal line and the sidelines. On a tennis court, you have the net at center court and then you have the back lines, right? All these things we just mentioned are reference points. That's one thing you could call them. We'll look at some of, uh, some of the other phrases that we might use to describe that. They all help us to know how we're doing in some way. They help us to know whether we're still on the field of play, whether we're going straight or staying on course, what kind of progress that we're making. Crossing the goal line, for example, in football with the ball lets us know we've scored, right? The basketball baseline or sideline lets us know when we're out of bounds. The backline in tennis lets us know our shot's in or out of play. It's funny how that when you begin to think about something, you begin to see that something in so many different places. For example, if you buy a certain kind of car, you all of a sudden begin to see that make of car everywhere, don't you? You never noticed it before, but now you begin to see it. Well, I began thinking about reference points as I was in the midst of preparing part one of this series, and I began to see reference points all around me. We usually don't think about them because they're so routine. They're all over in our daily lives. Every one of you saw reference points on the way to church here this morning. Most of you probably drove, didn't you? What about the dividing lines on the roads or the street signs or the curbs on the side of the street? They're important reference points. They keep us traveling in our lane. We also get a sense of how fast we're going by how fast the lines pass us. 
Now, if we only use that, try that excuse on the cop that stops you for speeding, because I don't think that's going to be enough. That's why we also, when we're driving that mechanical or electronic reference point of the speedometer, to tell us how fast we're really going. Well, officer, the lines aren't passing that fast. I don't think that would work. One of the things I love to do in the summer when I visit my in-law's lake house, which is where I was much of the time we were gone, is swim laps. I do that four or five times a week when I'm home, but I do it at the club where I work out. When I'm at the lake, it's a really different experience. It's quite enjoyable. It's a lot more enjoyable. If you look at these pictures and this video, you can see why. Just imagine yourself walking down the, the plank to the to the uh, lake to jump in the water and swim. I'm usually out fairly early before there's any boats or jet skis that are out on the lake and the water is often smooth as glass and it's very quiet. I'm the only one out there. I typically swim from the dock where the ladder goes in the water and it's straight out maybe 60, 75 yards and then I swim back. That's a lap. Now in the pool at the club, a lap's pretty easy to gauge. I swim from one end to the other and back. It's also easy to stay in my lane because the lines are marked on the bottom of the pool. And even if I wasn't looking down through my goggles at the lines, I can see the side of the pool and still swim pretty straight by observing how far I am from the side. But in the lake, that all changes. As the reference points aren't as ready or available, or certainly they're not as close. In the lake, I can only guess how far I'm going by using a reference point. For example, I watch the little peninsula that's just a short ways from the boat dock that I go off of, and I guess how fast I'm swimming. I can estimate how straight I'm swimming, and that's all because of reference points. Now, as strange as this may seem, the Lord often directs my sermon themes by giving me sermon titles. And it seemed appropriate since I had thought these thoughts at the lake when I first began to consider this series. And since it was another R word, and since I'd already planned two parts from these lessons from the lake, it seemed appropriate for me to make this part three of lessons from the lake. So here it is, roots, ripples, and reference points, lessons from the lake, part three. Several passages of scripture came to mind as I thought about reference points. Of course, that phrase, reference points, that phrase is not in scripture. But as with the message of ripples, we find that this is a theme that's really found quite often in the Word of God, as we'll see here this morning, especially if you consider the meaning of a reference point and begin to look for words that convey that idea. The first passage of Scripture that comes to mind is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let me read that for you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, there are four things that made me think of reference points in this particular passage of Scripture. First of all, there's the athletics metaphor. We see that often in Scripture, don't we? 
There's this race that all of us participate in as followers of Christ. And there's the fact that any race that we run in requires reference points. This is a race that requires perseverance. It requires us to throw off everything that hinders us and to throw off sin. This race is marked out for us, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Some versions say it's set before us. That means that it's laid out in front of us for us to see. That means there are reference points to tell us how we're doing in this race and whether or not we're advancing in this race. Here's one comparison the writer of Hebrews uses that illustrates the idea of reference points. Just as a runner concentrates on the reference point of the finish line, we should concentrate on Jesus. He is the goal and the objective of our faith. That brings us to the second reference point I found in this passage of Scripture. The key phrase here is in verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus is our reference point. He is our standard, our model. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and remembering that he endured the cross and that he did this for the joy set before him Remember that he endured the shame and scorned the shame of the cross. Remembering these things helps us as a reference point to how we're doing and how we're supposed to be running this race. Are we enduring? Do we scorn the shame of the cross? Jesus here is our example. That's the standard for us. He's our reference point when it comes to running this race. He's our reference point when it comes to endurance. Now, third, Jesus is both the author and the perfecter of our faith, it says in Hebrews. That means he's the beginning of our faith, the author, and the end of our faith. That is, our faith is completed in him. To stick with the metaphor we're using here this morning, he's the starting line of the race and the end or the finish line of the race. And what's more, he's also the supreme witness He's the one who's already run this race, and he has overcome. He's our example, and he's the one who shows us how it's done. Isn't that a great reference point for us? Think of those who've done something we aspire to, people you know. Aren't they reference points for us? Aren't they an encouragement, a goal to seek? Well, Jesus is the ultimate in this regard. Finally, there's the admonition in verse 3 to consider him to consider Jesus, to think about, to consider his endurance, the opposition he endured from sinful men. That's our reference point. When we're tempted to grow weary in this race of the Christian life that we run, when we're tempted to lose heart, we do. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We consider his life. We consider his example. That reference point tells us how we're doing. It's a comparison, but it also helps us to move forward. Jesus, our reference point, encourages us, motivates us, helps us to know that we're moving forward in the race, or maybe convicts us that we need to do better. Reference points can be corrective, right? Think about this. If you're running with a football and you're near the sideline, you don't run out of bounds. If you can help it, you want to gain more yards, right? 
of lesson course time's running out and you need to run out of bounds to stop the clock. Either way, what you do is the sidelines are there and it helps you correct your course to keep from running out of bounds or to purposely run out of bounds, whatever your mission is. If you're in a swimming pool and you're bumping into the lane divider, or worse yet, you're bumping into the person who's swimming next to you, or looking down at the bottom of the pool and you note you're drifting, what do you do? You correct your stroke. You straighten up your path. Now, when I'm at the lake, this is a little more difficult. This is a little bit more of a challenge. We touched on this just a moment ago. In the lake, reference points are tougher. For example, part of the time when I swim, I do three or four different strokes when I'm in the lake and in the pool at home, too. When I swim on my back, which I do some of the time, I can either look up or look back. That's a little hard. Looking back isn't enough of a reference point on the half lap back to the dock because although I can see the other side of the lake as a reference point, it's too far away to give me any real help. See, look how far away the other side of the lake is. I can't really use that as a reference point and give me any help to determine whether I'm moving or how far I've gone or how fast or how straight I'm swimming, right? Now, looking up straight up into the sky is harder still. Think about that. You're out and all you see is the open blue sky, maybe a few clouds. I need these reference points for two reasons. I need them to tell me I'm moving. Of course, I know I'm moving when I'm swimming on my back, even though it doesn't feel like I'm moving. But there's something psychological when you're swimming on your back and looking straight up into the morning sky and having this strange sensation that I'm not moving, even though I know that I'm moving. I actually kind of enjoy it for several seconds. It's kind of an interesting sensation. But very soon I find myself wanting to see where I am. I want to know where I am. I want to look at something closer and to get a reference point to tell me that I'm moving and that I'm not off course. Now, that's especially difficult when I'm looking up in the sky and swimming, and I'm not sure I'm moving, and then I see buzzards circling around me. Because if they think I'm not moving, then I'm really in trouble. But that's another story. The other reason I need a reference point is to tell me how straight I'm going, because my goal, at least on the second part of a lap, is to swim back to the dock, okay? Well, if I don't swim straight, I'll end up far from my destination, maybe halfway down the shoreline. I've done that a few times. So I usually peek towards my destination and I make course corrections all along several times so that I end up where I want to go. Now Jesus tells us in Scripture that small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. That says to me that without a reference point, we can't even find, let alone enter, that small gate or walk that narrow road. So think about the spiritual applications of this. We can't know that we're traveling on a straight path or on that narrow road without the Word of God, without that as a reference point, without fixing our eyes on Jesus. We need that reference point. Otherwise, we're just guessing. Guessing's not a good way to walk through life. Let me tell you. We can't even know that we're moving forward without these spiritual reference points. Often we have to take a look at these reference points. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus to move forward and to move straight. Without these points of reference, without something to compare our lives to, we don't have any idea what kind of progress we're making in the Christian life. Life Application Notes says the Christian life involves hard work. It requires us to give up whatever endangers our relationship with God 
to run patiently and to struggle against sin with the power of the Holy Spirit. To live effectively, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We will stumble if we look away from him to stare at ourselves or at the circumstances surrounding us. We should be running for Christ, not ourselves, and we must always keep him in sight. Why? Because he's our reference point. Now, let's take a little bit different tack and look at a few other words that might help us with this. For example, let's start with a dictionary difference of reference points. It gives us a little bit more to think about. A reference point, according to the dictionary, is an indicator that orients you generally. In other words, it helps point you in the right direction. Now, when you search a thesaurus for the phrase reference point, it gives us even more interesting things to think about. Here are some synonyms for a reference point. How about benchmark? You've heard that word. A surveyor's mark on a permanent object of predetermined position and elevation used as a reference point. How about landmark? A mark showing the boundary of a piece of land. Here's some other words. Criterion, standard, touchstone, measure. A basis for comparison, a reference point against which all other things can be evaluated. How about target or mark? A reference point to shoot at, as in his arrow hit the mark. How about indicator? A signal for attracting attention. And finally, how how about buoy? Bright colored, a float attached by rope to the seabed to mark channels in a harbor or underwater hazards. These are all other words and phrases that express the same idea that we're looking at here this morning. A touchstone, for example, is a reference point that can test our faith and provides us with opportunities throughout our lives to make those course corrections that we're talking about here this morning. We also see that a target or mark is a reference point to shoot at, as in his arrow hit or missed the mark. You've probably heard before that the Greek word for sin carries the meaning of missing the mark. To sin is to miss a mark on the way, not to hit the mark. One who keeps missing the mark in his relationship to God is hamartalos, sinner. To err, to swerve from the truth, to go wrong. It's used in an absolute sense in 1 Corinthians 15, meaning to beware lest one be drawn into errors pertaining to faith, of which the apostle is speaking in Titus chapter 3. That's a good example of what we're talking about here this morning. That's why we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's why we need to, as the writer of Hebrews says, consider him, looking to Jesus, comparing ourselves. One of the ways scripture reveals the idea of points of reference. Let's take a quick survey of this idea of reference points in scripture. This is a small sample of dozens, literally dozens of verses which relate to this theme, but I think they'll help us flesh out this idea just a little bit more. Of course, the ultimate reference point, as we've noted, is God. And Scripture often compares God with anything and everything else. Our God is the standard for everything. We read in Psalm 86, verse 8, Among the gods there is none like you. O Lord, no deeds can compare with yours. That's a good reference point to start with, isn't it? We read in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, 
because I am holy. God's wisdom is the ultimate standard for all wisdom, too. In Proverbs 3.15, we read, She, referring to wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Standards of behavior in Scripture are reference points. We also see in Scripture phrases like just as, comparing one set of circumstances or behavior to another. Or sometimes we see the word just as followed by so also. For example, God gives us a reference point for forgiveness in this passage, Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then we read in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. <coughs> Excuse me. We also see the phrase, how much more? a statement that's clearly providing a reference point to help us understand God's love and care for us. We see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And we read in Luke chapter 12, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, and they have no storeroom nor barn. And yet God feeds them how much more valuable you are than the birds. There's a reference point explaining to us the love of God. The standard for mercy is also set as a reference point. We see in Luke 6.36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So is the standard of love for each other. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What we can expect in this life as followers of Christ is also laid out for us as a reference point. Again, with Jesus as our model in John chapter 15, Jesus says to us, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There's a reference point. Why does the world hate us? Because we're followers of Christ. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. We read in Romans chapter 15, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So there's a whole lot of scripture that makes it clear that God the Father... And the Word made flesh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, are the primary reference points we should look to. But think about this too. It's also clear from Scripture that people can be reference points as well. 
This can be a good thing or this can be a bad thing. The very idea that people can be reference points is implicit when we make statements such as, he's really someone I look up to. That's a reference point. Compared to him, I'm not a very good preacher. That's a reference point. I want to be just like him. Or do you remember the ad campaign several years ago using Michael Jordan, the basketball player, and the campaign catchphrase? What was it? Anybody remember? I want to be like Mike. There's a reference point. Or how about the reverse? Negative reference points. I never want to be like so-and-so. Paul encouraged the Corinthians to imitate him in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Now, the challenge with that particular passage is that Paul was saying that what he and the other apostles were dealing with was hunger and thirst and being brutally treated and homeless. He said they were the scum of the earth and the refuse of the world. That's not something we usually think of or aspire to imitating, but that's the context of that passage where Paul said, imitate me. But he ended by urging the Corinthians to imitate him. There's a place for imitating godly believers. We see in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And a few chapters later in Hebrews 13, we read, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider, there we see that word again. We saw that in Hebrews in the passage we read earlier. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, we read, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So we see here how Paul and his fellow travelers set an example or became a godly point of reference for the Thessalonians. And as a result, then the Thessalonians became a model too, or a point of reference for believers elsewhere. Of course, none of us can claim that we have it all together, but there may be some people that we can use for a reference point. I look around this auditorium and I see a lot of reference points that I can attain to in a good way for specific character I can say, for example, I would aspire to be like Bruce Clutter, a man who exudes integrity in every part of his life. I'd like to be Carl, Carl Eason or Dave Troutman or like Dave or Debbie Mason when it comes to having a servant's heart behind the scenes, doesn't need to call attention to themselves. I could name many other people here this morning, and I'd better stop for fear of leaving somebody out and offending somebody and hurting their feelings. But it's true, there are things about so many of you, including many I didn't mention, that I can use as a reference point, and in fact have used throughout my 32 years here at this church as a reference point for my growth as a Christ follower to tell me how I'm doing, whether I'm moving straight or making progress at all. Now clearly, we have to recognize that because reference points are all around us, they're in things they're in people, we must make choices. 
We must make choices. The reality is we can ignore godly reference points in people and things and make poor choices in where and in whom we find our standards. We can find our standards in the world. If you choose a celebrity like Lindsay Lohan, for example, as a reference point, you might think you're doing pretty well in spiritual things and not so good maybe in terms of wealth. She might be a good reference point to see how wealthy you are in material things, but she'd be a very poor reference point in seeing how wealthy you are in spiritual things. There's truth to the old adage that we live up to the standards of those around us. There's truth in that. If our standards are low, we aim low, and we get what we aim for. As a believer, if you choose your reference points poorly, you're in danger of not moving or moving along a crooked path or of going in the wrong direction altogether. Back to my original example for this sermon on reference points. That is swimming laps at the lake. One of the reasons swimming at the lake is more of a challenge, as I mentioned, is that I do have reference points, but they're farther away. That makes them harder to see. That makes them harder to use as a good reference point. Rather than the line right there on the bottom of the pool or the side of the pool, which is just a few arm's lengths away from me, I have to use a peninsula that's maybe 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 yards away or the shoreline on the other side of the lake to tell whether I'm swimming in a straight line or whether I'm going to where I want to get. If we come away with anything at all this morning from this sermon, it's that we need to choose our points of reference wisely. We need to choose our points of reference wisely, and we need to keep good reference points close to us. We need to keep good reference points close to us. That's where so many of us slip off the path. We choose poorly for our reference points or we don't keep our good reference points close to us. I think of Psalm 119, 105. I know it says 110 there. It's 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Now, isn't it interesting in this passage of Scripture that the reference point in this verse is close? It's my feet. It's my path. Why is God's word not a lamp to our horizon? It's not what it says. Why is it not a light for the highway 10 miles down the road? It's because this is how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. We live our lives as followers of Jesus step by step on the path, right? Towards the sure and certain hope of the coming of our Savior. So Jesus, the living word, is a lamp to our feet, and he's a light to our path. And since, as our primary text this morning tells us, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, we must also keep him close. It's hard for the Lord to be a real positive reference point in our lives when we don't keep him close. If we keep him distant, other reference points, including those that may not be good reference points, can cloud our vision, they can block our vision of him. And that can make it difficult for us to even see Jesus as our reference point. And it can make it difficult for him to truly light our path. It can make it difficult for him to provide the reference points we need to enter that small gate, to navigate that narrow road. 
So this morning, let's together determine to fix our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, to consider him, to look to him. Jesus, our standard, our model, our benchmark, our touchstone, our reference point. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us such clear direction where we need to go and how we need to walk step by step on the path toward eternity. And Father, we pray that we would indeed be enabled by your Holy Spirit to see the good and godly reference points that we need to see and to consider those and to use those as a model, as a standard, as a benchmark for us to follow you wholeheartedly. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look around and see reference points that aren't as good, that we would be able to always turn our attention once more to Jesus Christ and consider him and consider his way of life, consider his example, consider his model to us. Father, that your word would indeed be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path throughout our lives, Father God. Help us, Father, as we consider these things and we commit them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.